You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities. I love the miners here. I own GDX. In fact, today, I took my first profit on my GDX trade, uh, almost 6% on the first half. I'm letting the second half run. I have a boatload of it. Welcome back to Mining Stock Education. I'm your host, Bill Powers, checking in with my friend, master trader, Nick Santiago over at InTheMoneyStocks.com. Nick has a trading service, both stocks and options, and he runs his own money. And he's been doing this for over 30 years. So I like to get his perspective, a trader's perspective on the markets, but in particular, gold, the miners and commodities. So Nick, welcome back onto the show. Uh, let's start with silver. Last time you were on the show, you said if silver gets down to $18 an ounce, that could be your buying opportunity before you expect a steep runoff. Now, about a week ago, it hit about $18.50. So I did have your thoughts kind of running around in my head. Uh, what do you make about that run down to $18.50? And of course, it's popped back up since then. Yeah, it's gotten very close. And uh, I did not jump on board as I'm a stickler for price. I always have my numbers exactly calculated where I want to get in. So I missed that so far. I think we'll get a chance at it, though. I think we'll get a retrace back down, a slightly lower low, and then jump on board. I believe silver is going to be the trade. It might even be the trade of the century. And I don't say that very often. So I love silver. I even love it now. But I really have, you know, was waiting for that $18 pierce. I thought that was going to be it. And it got very close, as you said, and then it just popped. So I did not get that. I got some others, though, and uh, they're really doing very well. What about GDXJ? How do you see the miners performing relative to the precious metals? I love the miners here. I own GDX. In fact, today, I took my first profit on my GDX trade, uh, almost 6% on the first half. I'm letting the second half run. I have a boatload of it. Um, I love it all the way up to the $30 area. I think GDX is going. As for the junior miners, they have a tendency sometimes to outperform the bigger miners. So if you if you want to take on that added um, uh, volatility, you can do so because your reward will be bigger. They usually will trade together. But for me, I like to stick with the big solid companies. I love those. Right now, one of the trades I love and I'm in is Newmont Mining. And I've been pounding the table. I got in on that and I'm already up about uh, 3% on that. So um, I love the miners down here. I think this is your opportunity. It's not too late either to get involved. And you buy the stock itself or the ETF? You don't buy the options on these two names? I did buy the options on both of these names. Okay. I also own call options on Agnico Eagle Mining as well. And uh, I own GDX, the, the, the ETF outright. And I own Newmont Mining outright and a fair amount of it. So uh, that's putting my money where my mouth is. And, you know, so far they're starting to perform. Newmont got hammered after earnings, which it went right down to a level I had told my trading group that it would go to. I said, we don't know. I, I don't want to get in this early because um, I, I just don't know what's going to happen after earnings. And the stock got absolutely pounded. And that was a gift. They put it right on our lap and, and we, we, we bought it up um, you know, and, and I also did it with call options as well. So, so far, so good. Now, I know you don't look at fundamentals, but uh, the market likes Ignico Eagle and what they reported more than Newmont. Did you pay attention at all to that? I, I couldn't even tell you what the earnings were at all. Oh, wow. I just I just know that it's always about reaction, right? I always tell my trading group, don't worry about what the numbers are. It's always about the reaction. You know, years ago when I got into this business, you know, GE, General Electric was a popular company. And I used to always ask people, why are they 
always beating by just one penny. You know, a quarter after quarter, you would see these guys beat by a penny. And, um, you know, the revenues are always in line. I, and I, I just said, this is like a rigged game over here with these earnings. These guys can make these numbers say anything they want to say. And I just gave up on it. And to tell you the truth, it was the best thing I ever did. 25 years, over 25 years ago, I haven't looked at a single earnings report. I can't tell you what a company does, uh, you know, as far as their, their revenues are concerned or the EPS or the EBITDA. I could care, book value. I could care less about that stuff. It's always all about the chart. But do you compare within your portfolio? So for example, just a comparison, a relative comparison between Ignico Eagle and Newmont is going to show you that the market likes Ignico better. <laughs> no, no. It, it's just Ignico, <laughs> Ignico Eagle is down ahead of the earnings announcement already because of Newmont. Uh, or maybe it was just down in general because gold miners had been so depressed. Right. And then when the earnings come out, you know, they're better than expected. Just, just for, for instance, and it doesn't matter if it's gold miners or anything else, just look at Apple, the worst earnings they've ever reported. Look at Google, the worst earnings they ever reported. Amazon, the worst earnings they ever reported. Microsoft, the worst earnings they ever reported. And all of those stocks went up because they were better than expected, right? So that's the game here. You know, it's a game and you got to just treat it that way almost like a glorified video game. When stocks are depressed, you know, the news is almost always factored in. So if they come out and they're better than expected, the stock will get a move. Another example today is Uber. Uber's numbers were horrible. They're not good numbers. I mean, I'm just looking at the headline from what was on CNBC today, but they're better than expected. So when things get, the expectations are so low and you come out and you're better than expected, you get a bid and you know, that's all. That's so I don't I don't think Agnico Eagle is better than Newmont or Newmont is better than Agnico Eagle. I just think that Newmont was still elevated, had not fallen enough into its earnings report. And then it did. And I wait five days later and I scoop it up. All right. Let's talk copper uh, the, and its proxy Freeport uh, MacBaran, which you pay attention to FCX down about 50 percent, like in the last since April ish. I mean, that's a pretty dramatic move. Is it tantalizing to you here at these levels? Yeah, I mean, for a bounce, it is. I think copper has gotten a good bounce along with the market. And, you know, Freeport McMoran will follow that as well. But, um, you know, copper still has another leg down. And I think everybody just has to remember, these are just, this is just a counter trend bounce in copper. Copper is heavily related to the construction industry, home builders. You know, Jesse Livermore used to say, all houses are built with copper roofs meaning follow the price of copper, and that'll tell you what the market's going to do. Copper hit a significant level. It was due for a technical bounce, rebound. It did that. But I, I do think we're going to have another leg lower in copper, uh, probably down to around you know 290 or so. And, and that will probably lead to another buying opportunity. But um, I, you know, I wouldn't chase copper here. It's already had a nice move. What about oil? Oil under 100? Do you have a target, a buy target on oil? Oil's going a little bit lower. Um, I do have a buy target in oil. It's going to be somewhere around eighty-three to eighty-four dollars, maybe eighty-one to eighty-two, because commodities have a, a tendency to overshoot levels a little bit. So I, I love oil down there. I'm going to be a buyer of oil down there around eighty-two to eighty-three, um, and then it's off to the races too. I'm not even looking to sell it. I'm just looking to hold it for as long as it'll hold on. And um, you know what I like to do? My style is to take half off the table, like I did. With GDX today, I uh, took half off the table and I let that second half run. 
And um, if, you know, we get good bullish patterns, I might even add to a position to that. But uh, right now, when I look at oil, uh, 82 to 83, maybe 84, it's a buying opportunity and a long hold, hold it for a long duration. As in, for, what's long for you? Because you're a trader. Is that one to two years? This one could be one to two years. Yeah, this could be a long, same with gold miners. If gold miners don't come back down, you know, they could be a long-term trade as well. So, I, I, I mean, right now I'm looking at that as a really big possibility. These have put in significant lows. They hit all my levels. I haven't had a gold mining buy signal like this in, I can't even tell you, since probably 2020, uh, March 2020, April 2020. So, you know, I, I love gold miners here. Gold, I, I think it's a technical bounce. I still don't love it yet. But oil, I think this is this is a year to two year trade out. I mean, this is where you can make some big, big money because there's, there's no alternatives. All the greenies could put up windmills all they want. These things are not going to to hold things together. So, um, you know, unless the economy absolutely craters and falls apart, which it's a fair possibility could happen. Um, I, I think you get into oil at, you know, at that, at that level for a long, long-term hold. So you referenced the significant buy signal you got for the gold miners. What, what goes into that, Nick? Is that just more intuitive? You just see it in the chart pattern or is there concrete data that you, uh, you know, you analyze? Yeah, it's all about the chart for me. It's about the chart and it's about time. So when I look at the timing factors that are involved, it told me late July, early August is going to be the time where gold miners should go. When that time can match up with the price that I was expecting, which was around $25 uh, for GDX, I'm going to use that. Uh, that That's it. When I get a two, uh, you know, those two combinations come together at, as one at the same time, it's a very, very powerful uh, move that I'm expecting. So, so far, so good. And, uh, you know, right now it's, it's, it's working. And um, I think there's a lot more upside to come. The United States Natural Gas ETF, UNG, uh, rose close to 100% in the last 30 days. You see a parabolic move like that. Do you sell? Or what is your analysis here? Well, Nat, Nat Gas just went um, and made a, a UNG actually just made another New, new high before pulling back. So it pulled back a little bit, but the fundamental backdrop, which I don't really care about, but with all this geopolitical stuff going on, the winter heating season is around the corner. We're already in August. Europe is going to need, I don't know if anybody's ever been to Germany or Holland. It's cold over there. I used to live there. So I, I will tell you firsthand, they're going to need some, uh, some natural gas and I would not be shorting that gas. I'm hoping for one more Sell-off, I don't know if that's going to happen. I was looking to be a buyer of Nat Gas around 450. Um, and that's Nat Gas Futures. So right now, it's just wait and see on the pattern. But uh, overall, I, I would remain very bullish on Nat Gas after a pullback. Right now, it's a little lofty still. Nick, I've had analysts on the show, such as Mike McGlone from Bloomberg, and they are expecting deflation, reversion to mean with some commodity prices. Some would point to what's occurred uh, recently in the uh, agricultural ETF DBA and its pullback as one of the indicators. Maybe we're going to see a reversion to mean and we could go into a little more deflation, not inflation. Uh, what would be your response to a position like this? Yeah, I think if, if you get ag stocks to pull back or any kind of you know, stock like Mosaic, Archer Daniels or any of these, they're, they're going to lead to buying opportunities. They're not they're not going back to where there is no were. deflation. You're saying <laughs> nah, not right now. I yeah. mean, you know, you got to look at what was just done. 
lockdowns, supply chain disruptions, money printing to the tune of which we've never seen before, you know, a, a Fed balance sheet of $9 trillion. I mean, that's not easily reversed. I mean, these guys just not with that, the Inflation you know, Reduction Act, though, Nick. Come on. <laughs> yeah, <the inflation laughs> I mean, more spending to reduce inflation. Give me a break with that transformational vocabulary, right? I mean, it's just these guys are clowns. I've never seen you know a show like this. You know, the world is all a stage now. It's just a, it's a puppet show out there. It's a really a banana republic. And um, you know, when I look at this stuff, you, know, you got to just say. Hey, if if the economy can hold on and um, and and it can you know continue to rally, you know then then we're going to go higher. But we're already talking about the Fed cutting rates again. I mean, you know this is a real uh, real topic. Look at what's happened to the ten-year U.S. Treasury note yield. It's already fallen back down, you know, to two almost two and a half percent. I saw that's, somebody that's, say they think it's going to go to zero. Do you think that's a possibility? <laughs> I, I wouldn't rule anything out. I mean. I've been looking for yields to go higher for so long. Finally, they did it. I have made money on the trade, but you know now I'm just I'm just shaking my head and I'm waiting for the chart pattern to tell me more. But you know you have to chuckle at some of this stuff that you know these guys are just raising rates and and the market's looking for them to cut already and and to implement more quantitative easing when they just started to do quantitative tightening. So you know I, I just. Uh, I just really think the next few years are going to be really, really interesting. And if you know what you're doing and you follow the charts, you'll be okay. You know, I, I just wouldn't be a cowboy in this market. I think that's a fool's game, you know, to, to, to just try to be a cowboy. But, you know, just wait for the setups and be patient. I'm not looking to hit home runs here. I'm just looking to be a steady eddy, you know, just nice and even keel, make money consistently, and, and that'll do the trick. Volatility trade, you were big on that a year ago. Um, what are you thinking for the end of this year? I got to tell you, volatility has been very hard. Um, it's been very difficult because it, it never went as high as I thought it would have gone with the way the markets acted. And uh, also, when I look at, at volatility now coming back in, you know, we're still above that psychological $20, $20 level on the VIX. So it's been a little bit of a tough trade. I'll, I'm going to probably you know, nibble into it at some point here, but I've really stayed away from it. I just don't like the way it's acted um, and hasn't conformed to my calculations, it, meaning it gets very close to my levels and then it jumps. And I, I don't know why it's not hitting the numbers like, you know, because I'm a very number specific person. So I don't know why it didn't do that. But, uh, you know, I, when I, when things don't hit my numbers, I have a tendency to just leave it alone. And it's been a tough trade, but I do think volatility um, later in the second half of the year, and even into next year, will go significantly higher. What's been your best trade the last 30 days? Well, believe it or not, one of my best trades was not a good trade, but it was still a winner. And it was my best trade. Um, when the markets were falling, I was looking for a turning point around the uh, summer solstice uh, using a GAN technique. And, and that pretty much nailed the bottom. And I was underwater in Apple trade. I was Apple at the time was trading around $130. I'm in at $147 and change. And I said, you know what? I can't stop out because this turning point's going to come and this thing's going to rocket ship up. So I traded Apple all the way up back to positive territory, sold it in the 150s and made money. So, you know, turning a, a losing trade into a winning trade, I consider that a major victory because that would have been a significant loss. I would have taken it had I had to stop out. 
Last question. What are you up on the year? Um, in your two services. Yeah. Option service is up well over a hundred percent. We got a lot of winners right now in the pipeline that I haven't taken profits on yet that I'm looking for more. And then the, the swings are probably around, I think we're up about 30%, maybe, maybe a little bit more than that. So um, pretty solid, pretty steady. It's not the, the, my greatest year by any means, but bear markets, you know, when I look at some of these hedge funds that are down 30, 40, 50% and some more, um, I'll take it. You know, that that's that's good. I haven't done tons of action. Uh, I'm more of a, of a trader that likes to take the moves on turns. And, um, you know, one of the great uh, hedge fund managers out there, successful ones, is Paul Tudor Jones. And he always said, the money is made on the turns. It's not made in between. And I'm a true believer of that. And, um, you know, now we have a gold mining turn coming. We have, you know, some turns coming. And then you'll get an oil turn coming. And that's where you take your the bulk of your action on those turning points. Is, is what you said consistent with those that say it doesn't matter if you miss the first 10% of the move, as long as you ca- catch the majority of the move, would what Paul Tudor Jones says be consistent with that philosophy? Yeah, you can, you can do that as long as, you know, in a bull market, that's really, you can do that. In a bear market, because the rallies are so fierce to the upside, like this bear market rally, look at it. I mean, you know, it, it was, it's been an animal to the upside. Right, you did some shaking and baking there in early July, and then we've ripped as the mega cap tech earnings have come in. So you got to just understand it's easier, easier, more. I think that that philosophy is is more adapted to bull markets, bear markets. They're very, very tough. A lot of pro traders I know won't even touch a bear market. They'll just call it quits, sit it out, and they'll wait for the dust to settle because you know if they get caught on the other side when you get the the counter trend rallies, they're so fierce. All right. Well, Nick's website is inthemoneystocks.com. Go check it out if you like what you heard here today. Nick, thanks for coming on the show and sharing your insights. Much appreciated. Thank you, Bill. Thank you for listening to Mining Stock Education. Please subscribe and share this show with like-minded investors. Connect with us at miningstockeducation.com and sign up for our email list to stay in touch. Much success to you as you learn about, invest in, and profit from mining stocks. The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts might cost fifty or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10-for-1 returns as there is in small-cap and micro-cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the work, or even if you do do the work and don't discipline yourself on the sell side, there are very few places in the world where you can lose as much money as quickly as in mining stocks too. I just started to study up on mining stocks and I just became fascinated because this is such a tiny sector and it's so volatile that either you could really, you could do really, really well or you could pretty much get blown out of the water really quickly. The mining sector is a very risky sector. It can take your money very, very quickly. Don't fall in love with stocks. Don't be overly confident and just do your work as best you can. Do your very best, but don't fall in love and don't get too overly confident because um, that's a recipe for disaster. 
I have met you know, professional retail investors that have made a tremendous amount of money on the junior mining space. Some of them aren't accredited, and they just they spend their days researching, talking to people, being on the phone, being pouring through financial documents, but it requires commitment. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not to be considered personal legal or investment advice or a recommendation to buy or sell securities or any other product. We make every effort to be accurate, but the information presented is not to be considered infallible. It may contain errors and we offer no inferred or explicit warranty. If personal advice is needed, consult a qualified legal, tax, or investment professional. Do not base any investment decision on the information contained on miningstockeducation.com, our podcasts, or videos. Make sure you always conduct your own own thorough due diligence before investing. Realize that we may hold equity positions in or be compensated by some of the companies we feature and therefore are biased and hold an obvious conflict of interest. For our full disclaimer, please visit our website.